Welcome to the Bridge Church Podcast. Our purpose statement at Bridge Church is to reach people where they are and help them grow. We hope today's message inspires you towards growth, and we pray it's life-changing, and we hope to see you soon. Hallelujah. We've been in a sermon series called The Move of God. And I was, uh, I was, I was telling the first service, I, uh, I told Jonathan Lewis at Bible study the other day, I said, Jonathan, I don't know if you know this, but I'm secretly Pentecostal. And he said, that's not a secret. Everyone <laughs> in the entire church, they already know that. And so that being said, Acts is my favorite book in the Bible. Yeah, because uh, it's the Pentecostal book. Hallelujah. The, the day of Pentecost. And um. And today we get to see Peter, the first pastor and the first apostle, interact with a lame man and work a miracle in his life through the power of God. And in this sermon, I'm going to invite you into that same invitation that Peter received from God to see how the Lord wants to move in your life, to see how the Lord wants to set up an encounter in your life to see how the Lord is calling you into a ministry and is calling you into your gifts and calling you into a purpose and an invitation with him. Acts chapter 3, it says, Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, that's 9 a.m. And a man lame from birth was being carried, who they laid at the gate, who they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms, and Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them, but Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his his feet and his ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized him. And they said, isn't that that guy that used to sit at the gate called Beautiful, asking for alms? And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to them. Let's pray. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for the opportunity to see you, to come into your temple, to dwell with you, to hear from you, God. And Lord, would you speak to us in this moment? Anoint your people and impact your people for the work of ministry. Call us out and send us forth today. And Lord, would you anoint my words that the meditations of my heart would be acceptable in your sight. Let your word go forth with power and with clarity. As you invite people into a space in which they will never be the same. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Let the church say it together. Amen. Amen. The first thing I notice about verse 1 
Take me back there for a second. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, is that it is shockingly normal. They just go into work at 9 a.m., just like you got to go to work tomorrow in less than 24 hours. I hate to break it to you. At 9 a.m., they're walking along the way. They're getting on the A train or the C train or the 1 or the 2 or the B or the Q or whatever it is, and they're on their way to the temple at 9 a.m., and it is so normal, and there's so much detail to the normalness. The only thing that makes it unusual about the normalness is what happened in the chapter before. The chapter before was completely supernatural. They were waiting on God in Jerusalem, just as Jesus had told them to do, and suddenly they heard a mighty rushing wind, and tongues of fire fell down from heaven, and they began speaking in tongues and uh, ministering to each other and sharing the gospel in each other's language, even though they didn't know each other. And uh, the Bible says that Jerusalem was especially packed at that time because it was the Feast of Pentecost, and uh, there was 3,000 people who all believed after Peter preached his first sermon, and they all believed on Jesus that day, and it was a supernatural experience. It was kind of like when you go to a conference, and you're like, oh, I know I heard from the Lord. Or maybe when you go to church on Sunday, and you're like, that word was for me. Or you heard that worship, you are my champion. You heard that, and you're like, yes, Lord, I am a champion. You are my champion. And then you wake up the next day, and it's just a normal day. (laughs) You ever felt that before? And I could imagine that the disciples were wondering, well, what do we do now? There's 3,000 people that got saved, but guess what? There was no church building for them to go to. There was no Bible even for them to read. And they were probably looking at Peter and saying, well, Pastor Petey, what are we going to do, Pastor Petey? And although Pastor Petey was acting real confident, he probably also didn't know. And he probably was asking God, are, is the fire going to fall down from heaven again? Is another 3,000 people going to get saved, or was that a one-time experience? Or maybe Jesus, who ascended in the cloud, and he said he was coming back again, maybe if I just wait until Tuesday, he'll come back again, because the last time he disappeared, it was for three days, and so maybe if I just, maybe Jesus is going to come back again and just fix this whole situation. Because Peter also probably didn't know what to do. And the Jewish historians and uh, the, the, um, the people who were documenting at the time, a lot of them suggest that the disciples, uh, or the Jewish believers who believed the 3,000 that day kind of just went back and went along their normal lives because they didn't know what to do next. And the Bible says that they gathered together and they ate and they drank, but they didn't know what to do. And so they went to the temple to pray, as is the Jewish custom but they didn't know what to do. And little did Peter know that God on this super normal morning had a supernatural encounter for him that was being set up behind the scenes. And the Bible says as Peter was walking to the temple this way, there was a, that there was a lame man from birth who was being carried to the temple that way, and the Holy Spirit was getting ready to supernaturally impact both of their lives. The first thing you need to know about Acts in order to read it correctly, in order to, in, to, in, to interpret it, there we go, help me, Lord. In order to interpret it correctly is that Peter is not the main character of the story. The lame man is not the main character of the story. The apostle Paul, as he comes in later, is not the main character of Acts. The main character of Acts is the Holy Spirit. 
who is working behind the scenes to orchestrate and to arrange and to set up supernaturally uh, their lives in order to glorify Jesus and in order to grow and to build the church. And I wonder if you know that the main character in your life is also not you. The main character of your life is the Holy Spirit who is working behind the scenes in your life to orchestrate. Do you know that the job that you are at, you are at for a purpose? The neighborhood that you are placed in for a purpose. The person, the friends who you hang around for a purpose. Your husband or your wife or your kids, your job, your family, your hobbies, it's all for a purpose because God does not make accidents. And the Holy Spirit is behind the scenes of your life trying to orchestrate. And I wonder how many God moments we have missed because we did not recognize that the Holy Spirit was behind the scenes orchestrating and arranging our lives. And so there are five characters in the story, the main one being the Holy Spirit, the second one being Peter. And Peter was the first apostle, and he had walked with Jesus. And, and Jesus had anointed him, and he said, Peter, upon this rock, I will build my church. And now Peter is in the moment because Jesus has ascended into heaven, and he's wondering, what do I do next? And maybe you are like Peter in this story, and you have, be, you have come to church faithfully, you have given your life to Christ, you have been serving God, but you're wondering, what is next in my life? And I want you to know that the Lord is planning to encounter you. The Lord has a set up a supernatural situation in your life in order to encounter you, in order to lead you into the more of God, that there are more gifts that there are more moments, that there is more encounters, that there is more wisdom, there is more holiness for you to perceive of God, that the Lord wants to reach out to you and continue to change your life in a way in which you will never be the same. And if you are in confusion, if you are in anxiety, if you are wondering what's next, the Lord has a moment waiting for you. And then the other character in the story is the lame man. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 4 that the lame man was over 40 years old. He had been lame from birth for over 40 years. And it says in verse 9 that everyone recognized him at the man who had been sitting at the gate called Beautiful, which means he had probably been there for a long time. It was probably for years or even decades that this man had been at this gate begging. And it was no accident. You know how it is in Times Square. You, you got to catch all the tourists. And so he's at the beautiful gate, positioned at the right time for when the most people are going to pass so that he can ask them for alms. And not only that, but some theologians suggest that he had been there for so long, and if he had been sitting outside this gate for so long, that he probably saw Jesus pass by. He probably saw Jesus flip over the tables. He probably saw 
the, the blind man who Jesus had healed and who had sent to wash in the pool of Siloam, he had probably seen other lame people who Jesus had healed. He had probably seen the lepers who Jesus had healed, and he said, go present yourself in the temple to the priest. He had probably seen Jesus heal over and over and over again, and he was wondering, I wonder if Jesus sees me. I wonder if Jesus forgot about me. That's the savior of the world. I've seen him heal. I've seen him do what he can do. And I wonder if he's ignoring me. And not only that, but he had probably heard about Jesus being crucified. And maybe he had heard about Jesus being resurrected. And he said, okay, there's hope for me again. And then he heard about Jesus ascending into heaven. And he probably said, well, my moment is over. I missed my chance. Maybe I'll be at this gate called beautiful forever. Maybe I will be lame forever. Maybe my chance and my possibility and my hope had passed me by. And I want you to know if you feel like that lame man at the gate and maybe you're sitting in the back of church today and you're saying, yeah, I see God moving up front. I see God moving in the worship team. I see God moving in the people who are dancing and lifting their hands, but that couldn't be me. God has forgotten about me. I want you to know that God has not forgotten and that he is interceding for you, that he has a plan for you still, that your hope is not done yet, that Jesus is coming back for you and Jesus has a gift waiting for you, that he has a miracle waiting for you, that Jesus has another chance at life waiting for you. It doesn't matter how old you are, that Jesus has a new life waiting for you. But then there are some invisible characters in the story. They're the carriers of the lame man. And if this man had been begging there for over 40 years, or this man had been begging here, there for uh, many, many decades because he was 40 years old, somebody had to carry that man back and forth every day. And maybe they were his friends. Maybe they were his family members. Maybe it was his cousin Pookie and him. Maybe they were people who were on their way to the temple and they were just trying to do a nice job and they said, sure, I'll carry you over there. Either way, it is clear that this man had a setup for his life. He had a routine for his life that was built around his lameness. He had people carrying him to and from every day. Maybe they were doing it out of their benevolence, or maybe they were asking him for a cut of his money. But either way, whether these people's hearts were good or whether their heart was bad, what is clear is that they were enablers. They had no power to fix the situation in and of themselves. The most they could do is just carry him back and forth. And if you feel like that you are an enabler of the problem and you care and you see and you want to pray and maybe you even help and maybe you are even trying to serve and, and give over and above what you can, but you know that there is no power within yourself, I want you to know that Jesus is interceding for you and he is ready to intercept your problem. You missed that. That was good. You missed that. Not only is he interceding with you, he's getting ready to carry the problem himself. That's, ooh, that's, that's, I'm going to shout by myself. And then the last people in the story are the bystanders. And I know that in, in our culture that being a bystander is not a good thing. It's seen as, well, you should be getting involved and doing something. But I don't believe that these bystanders were bad people. After all, they were on their way to pray at 9 a.m. They were probably religious people. People who wanted to see God in his temple 
People who, maybe they were even part of the 3,000 that got saved in the chapter before. They were on the way to the temple to meet with God and to see God. But what the bystanders did not know is that God had a meeting for them outside of the church. That God was waiting for them on the way to the church. And could it be possible that while you are waiting on God, that God is waiting on you? Some of you are listening to the sermon even now, and you're waiting for me to get to the point. And the point is this, that God has a point for you outside there. That God has a setup for you, not only on, on, on Sunday, but also on Monday morning that God is waiting for you. On Tuesday, when you're getting on the train, God is waiting for you. On Wednesday, when you're with your family, God is waiting for you. On Thursday, when you're stuck in traffic, God is waiting for you. On Friday, when you're sick of work, God is still waiting for you. And he has a moment for you, and he has a plan for you, and he has a purpose for your life. And if you put God in a box, then you are missing God. That he wants to see you not only in 345 Adams Street, but he wants to see you on Atlantic Ave. He wants to see you in Flatbush. He wants to see you on Broadway. He wants to see you in Junction. He wants to see you in your daily life, and he has a moment waiting for you. Yesterday, we were stuck in traffic. We decided to go apple picking upstate. I don't know why. And the thing said it was two hours away. And we ended up being stuck in traffic for four hours. In Queens. See, this is why I don't like Queens. <laughs> Four hours, not moving. It's 10 o'clock at night. I'm like, I got to finish preaching. I got to finish getting my sermon together. And we're just stuck in traffic. And I was mad because you know what happened? The air conditioner broke. And it was raining. And it was hot inside the car. And it was humid. And my kids were hungry in the back seat. And my wife, who loves the Lord, put on a sermon. And I'm like, I don't want to listen to no sermon right now. I'm mad. But do you know that the Lord started speaking to me in that sermon? He started talking to me about what was going to happen today. He started talking to me about what, uh, what, what, what he wanted me to say. He started talking to me about who I am in Christ. He started confirming some things. And even in traffic in the middle of the night on a Saturday, the Lord had an appointment for me. And he has an appointment for you. The Lord wants to accomplish his strategy in your life. And your job is to pay attention, to see the Lord, not only in his temple, but outside his temple. And if you look through the Gospels, what you realize is that this is not the first time that Peter had encountered this situation. Turn to John chapter 9. And when Peter was with Jesus... It says, as he passed by, that's Jesus. As Jesus passed by, Jesus saw a man blind from birth and his disciples. Now, who's that? That's Peter and John. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Do you see how religious Peter and John were? how stuck in a religious and cultural mindset that they were, that they see a man blind from birth, and before they ask to pray for him, before they ask to give him anything, before they offer him a bacon, egg, and cheese, before they ask for what the man was, they say, who sinned? Just stuck in a mindset. 
And the man hadn't done anything. He was blind from birth. And the first thing that they could think to say was, who sinned? Was it his mama? Was it his daddy? Was it his grandpa? Was it him at birth, even though he was born blind from birth? Did he sin somehow before he was born so that he was born blind? Do you see how stuck in a religious and cultural mindset they were? And do you see how the Jewish culture at the time did not have any hope for handicapped people? And how the lame man who was at the gate called beautiful, not, if somebody had carried him into the temple, that the people would not have wanted him there. Because they saw him as a sinner, as an outcast, as someone who was not worthy, even though he hadn't done anything. And Jesus breaks this religious mindset with compassion. He breaks this religious mindset with the expectation of glory. He breaks this religious mindset by saying, no, 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 no. It is not that this man sinned. It is for the glory of God that this was set up. And do you know that the handicaps that are in your life, do you know that the broken pieces in your life, do you know that even the sin and the temptation and the things that you keep falling into over and over again, that the Lord is setting you up for a testimony? The Lord is setting you up to be an overcomer. The Lord is setting you up for the glory of God, to see the glory of God in your life, even in the broken places, because he's the only one that can heal. Woo, that's good. The Lord is setting you up to see the glory of God. And not only that, but the problems that we see in the world, the problems that are overcoming our life, the problems that are overwhelming, the problems that keep on happening in the news, that they're all a setup for the glory of God to be revealed. Do you know that all creation groans and waits for the sons and daughters, that's you, of the Most High God, to be revealed. Do you know that the Lord has set inside of you a gift and a solution to some of these problems that you see in the world? I ain't getting no amens on that one. It is not that this man sinned. It is for the glory of God. And so a few years, a few years later, Peter is walking. And he sees this lame man, and I wonder if he remembered that. I wonder if he, I wonder if he said, oh, you remember that one time in, in John 9 when Jesus said? Or I wonder if it was intuitive and it was just built into him. And did you know that there are circumstances and situations in your life that the Lord has already brought you through so that when you get to a problem, so that when you get <laughs> so that when you get to the impossible situation, that the Lord has already trained you for success, whether you know it or not. Yes. He has developed your gifts in you, whether you know it or not. And I'm hoping that during this sermon today, oh, I got to move on. I'm running out of time. That you would recognize the things that the Lord is divinely preparing you for. And so in Acts chapter 3, verses 4 through 7, it says, And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, what I do have, what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And so you see that Peter is uniquely aware of the tools that God has given him. He's aware of what he doesn't have. He's aware of what he cannot do. But he also is aware of the tools that God has given him 
in an emergency situation. If you look around this building, if you look up, you'll see sprinklers. Because the people who built this building had engineered it that in case of emergency situation, there would be a tool that is already built into it. If you look around this room, you'll see a fire extinguisher. That in case of emergency situation, the tool is already in this building to help solve the problem. And within yourself, the Lord has given you tools to use in an emergency situation. He has placed gifts inside each of you. He has placed tools inside of each of you. He has placed insight inside each of you. And it is time to awaken the gifts. Turn with me to Romans 12, verses 4 through 8. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. Let us use them. Let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in serving, if teaching with teaching, with the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. And so what Paul is saying is that we are all part of one body, that God has given each of us grace, but that the grace comes out in different ways in our life. And sometimes in church, we have a tendency to celebrate the external members of the body of Christ while demeaning the hidden members of the body of Christ. We celebrate the visual gifts. We celebrate the gifts that are on the stage, but we forget about the people that help set up the stage. And do you know that for me to be standing here today, there was about three or four teams with about 10 or 15 people that had to help set the stage up so you could even see me, to help set up the microphone, to help set up the visuals team, to help set up the chairs that you are sitting on. And the Bible says we all have different graces or having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, that we are all individually members of one another, which means we need each other in order to accomplish the work that God gave us to do that I would not be, be able to use my gift unless someone else used their gift. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so I want to recognize just for, a just for a second the people in this building that use their gifts. Joy, wave your hand back there. Joy is our new hospitality director, and Joy also bought me this fly shirt from Ghana. Amen, 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 amen. He's got a gift of fashion, amen. Yeah. But Joy has a unique anointing and a unique grace to lead the hospitality team. Have you ever been led to your seat by Joy? And you're like, wow, this feels amazing. I don't know what he's doing. It just feels amazing. And he anticipates people's needs. And he anticipates how to make people feel welcome in church, whether they've been here since last week or whether they haven't been here ever. And he's saying his gift is to welcome people into the body of Christ Despite whatever their past is, despite their shame, he's saying, you are welcome here. And he has a unique gift that he is using. Thank you, Joy. Lamar, where are you at, brother? Lamar, are you in the room still? Lamar, he might have left. He might have went to get breakfast. That's all right. Lamar gets here at 7.30 a.m. Did you know that? And he does it cheerfully. 
cheerfully he does it, which is how I know he's anointed to serve. Because if I got here at 7.30 a.m., it would not be cheerful. And he's like, I'm happy to serve. I'm happy to help set up the chairs. I'm happy to help lead the team. I'm happy to help set up the stage. He is anointed to do the thing that, that God has anointed him to do. Same thing with Jasmine and the kids' ministry. Same thing with Chanel with Social Sundays. Can you just raise your hand if you serve on any team in this building? Any team. Come on, celebrate the people. Celebrate the people. And our gifts are members of one another. Our gifts are necessary to one another. I was telling new member orientation the other day, we started a new class in our church where people can meet some of the team leads as they uh, become members of the church. And I was telling new member orientation, I was reading this verse to them, and we were talking about how we celebrate some of the on-front gifts while uh, not seeing some of the behind-the-scenes gifts. And I remember that uh, when I grew up, I grew up in this old black Baptist church. I told y'all the story last time I was up here. And they used to use this word a lot, and the word was anointed. And they would say it just like that, anointed. (laughs) And preacher so-and-so, he's anointed to preach. And he preached the mighty word of God. God. (laughs) And sister so-and-so, who was singing, ooh, she was singing that day. She is anointed to sing. Did you hear her? She was singing. And church mother so-and-so, Oh, when she prays, she prays the house down. She's anointed to pray. And I remember thinking when I was a little kid, well, if I'm not on stage, am I still anointed? And the answer is yes, you are. You are still anointed. And that's why I like this passage. Take me back to Romans 12 through 7. It lists out different gifts, and some of them are supernatural, but some of them are very natural. Some people are anointed to serve, and some people are anointed to prophesy. Some people are anointed to teach, and some people are anointed to lead. Some people are anointed to show acts of mercy, and some people are anointed to give, to contribute. And I want you to know that whether your gift is natural or whether your gift is supernatural, that you are a necessary part of the body of Christ. I want to tap on this, on this gift of the gift of generosity real quick. Did you know that some of you are anointed to be wealthy and to give the wealth away? Amen. Nobody said they better that one. <laughs> Y'all should have been shouting, that's me, oh Lord. Some of you are anointed to be CEOs, to be CFOs, to work on Wall Street, to manage large amounts of money, to get paid a large amount of money, and then to supernaturally give the money away anointed to give. And if we didn't have givers, we wouldn't be able to pay for this building. It's not just prophecy. We need givers. It's not just teachers. We need people who are going to set up the chairs. It's not just leading. We need people who are going to teach the children. Every gift is necessary in the church, and I hope that you take this opportunity to do an audit of your life about what gifts has God given me that I can use today. But I wonder, how did Peter know how and when to use his gift? The Bible doesn't say that he had to have a prayer meeting or that he had to fast and, and, and say, well, I'm going to go to the temple first, and then I'm going to come back and see about you after because i got to go to the temple first. The Bible says that he was just ready. In the moment, he was just ready. He knew what to do. He knew how to do it. 
Peter was aware of his gifts. He was aware of what he did have. He was aware of what he didn't have. But he also knew how to just step into his gift in the moment. And so take me to uh, Acts chapter 3, verses 4 again. And I don't want you to skip over this. I want you to feel the awkwardness and the tension of this verse. It says, and Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. Now, in the verse before this, the lame man had already seen Peter. So why did Peter have to say, look at us? Also, the passage says that there's two different uh, words used for the same thing. There's looking and there's gazing. And it implies that Peter's just sitting here and he's just staring at this man. <laughs> you see how awkward that is? And if the lame man had already seen him, why did Peter have to say, hey, 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 look at me? Because the lame man was probably like, why are you looking at me, dog? <laughs> and the word gaze there in the Greek is not just to look. It's not just to stare. It's to see into something. And Peter is sitting there, and he's seeing into this man. And the Bible doesn't say how long he's staring, but he's just staring at him. And then he says, look at me. And they're just looking at each other in the middle of the street while all these people are passing them by. Can you see how awkward that is? Just staring. Just, just looking. And I wonder what was happening in Peter's head in that moment. Maybe he remembered John 9. Or maybe Peter remembered his own spiritual lameness. Maybe Peter remembered all the times that he had failed Jesus. Do you remember a few weeks before this? When Peter was sitting with Jesus in the garden and Jesus asked him to pray. And he said, my soul is overwhelmed. I just need you, you my homeboys, I just need you to pray with me. And Peter fell asleep. Forsook Jesus in his hour of need. And then do you remember after Peter woke up and the guards that came to get Jesus and the Bible says that Peter took out a sword and tried to chop that dude's head off. Because if you have a sword and you nick somebody's ear, you weren't really aiming for the ear. You was trying to get the whole head. Do you understand what I'm saying? Peter should have been in prison. Peter should have not even been walking around the streets. Peter should have been in jail for attempted murder. Peter had no business even being free. Peter had no business even walking around. But not only that, do you remember when Jesus was crucified a few hours after that, and Peter said, I don't even know that man. Three times, I don't even know that man. No, 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 I've, I, I've seen you with him. I don't know him. No, 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 you're one of those who followed him. I've never seen him. I don't know that man. And the Bible says that Peter started cussing at this little girl in the middle of the night. He's, read the story yourself. He said he started cussing at her. He said, I don't know that man. Peter denied Jesus as he was on the cross. He had no business being an apostle. He had no business being free, yet God had extended him mercy. God had extended him grace. And do you remember in, the, in your own story, when you were spiritually lame, when you denied Jesus, and yet still he extended you grace and mercy? 
still he gave you an opportunity over and over and over to over and over and over again and you failed him and you went back to your sin and you denied him and he still welcomed you back again that's grace that's the mercy of God that is the compassion of Jesus that's Jesus saying he's not done I'm not done with him yet I still want him I still want to use him. I still want to lead him because he's not done. He tried to abort his own life purpose. He tried to abort his own mission. And Jesus said, I'm not done with him yet. He still has something that he could contribute. He still has something that he can give. He's not in his final form yet. You haven't seen Pastor Petey. You've only seen Thug Petey. <laughs> I still want to use him. And as Peter is gazing at this man, maybe he remembered the grace and the mercy that Jesus had shown him in his own life. Or maybe he remembered all the moments in which Jesus was filled with compassion. When Jesus was looking at the 5,000 in the middle of the desert, and he said, they're hungry, and they're like a sheep without a shepherd. And the Bible says that he was filled with compassion, and then Jesus took the two fish and five loaves and fed 5,000 people. Or maybe he remembered when Jesus was looking at the sick little boy and the sick little girl, and he was filled with compassion, which means that his bowels were tight, and his bowels were moving within him, and he had no choice but to activate grace and mercy and miracles. Or maybe Peter remembered when Jesus healed his mother-in-law because he was filled with compassion, and maybe Peter was filled with that same compassion, and that's what activated and stirred up his gifts. See, if you look back through your life and you remember what God has brought you through, if you remember what, what the things, the ways that you failed God and he still restored you, if you remember the way that God has healed your diseases and healed you and, and mended your life together, even when you failed him over and over again, it should be easy to extend mercy to others. Take a moment and gaze at your life the way that Peter was gazing at this lame man. Remember the times when Jesus saved you. Remember the times when Jesus prepared you. Remember the times when Jesus called you higher, when he called you up. And if you want to know what your gift are, is and how to identify your gifts, look how Jesus has equipped you and has prepared you throughout your life already. You have a tool within you for times of emergency. The Holy Spirit is working in your life to set up supernatural situations so that the glory of God might be revealed. In Ephesians 2.10, I don't have this on the slide, but it says that God has a purposed good works for us before the foundations of the earth, and all we have to do is walk in them. Yes. That he has already set it up for you. Yeah. That he's already worked out. He already knows the conclusion, and our responsibility is to walk in it, Amen. to see it, to notice it, become aware of the Holy Spirit, and to walk in the good works that he has set, in, that he has set up for us. Some of us are seeing overwhelming problems in our life, overwhelming problems at our job, and the Lord has given you an opportunity to extend mercy, to extend grace, to use the tools that God has given you. And so in a second, I'm going to ask that you stand up. Come on back, man. I'm going to ask that you stand up. But before I ask you to stand, I want you to consider your own spiritual lameness. 
In what ways have you been ignoring God? In what ways have you been sitting on the bench of, Christ, of Christianity? And you're watching everyone else score the layups. You're watching everyone else play offense and defense, and you're saying, that couldn't be me. The Lord wants to get you off the bench and into the game. You might not be the LeBron James, but you could play a little bit of offense and defense. You might not be the Tom Brady. You might not be the quarterback, but you could be a defensive lineman and just stand in your place for when he wants you to move. That's good. That's good. <laughs> you thought I didn't know football. I know football, Pastor God. The Lord wants to get you off the bench and into the game. The Lord wants to strengthen your ankles and strengthen your feet so that you can walk and leap and praise God, not just in the temple, but outside the temple, so that your life is a testimony of the glory and the grace of Jesus Christ. Would you stand on your feet? And as we stand, we are making a commitment to not be spiritually lame anymore. As we stand, we are making a commitment to walk in the mercy and the grace and the purpose that God has given us in our life. As we stand, we are making a commitment to be aware, not just on Sunday, but also on Monday and on Tuesday and on Wednesday on Thursday and on Friday and on Saturday, to recognize that God wants to meet us outside the temple. The Lord will not fit in your box. The Lord will not fit in your self-made prison for him. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, and he wants to encounter you, not just in 345 Adams Street, but in every moment of your life. And so there are some here today, and you're hearing me, and you're saying, I am the lame man, and I need Jesus to encounter me. I want you to know that Jesus sees you. He hears you. He knows you. And he has not forgotten about you. And then there are some here today who have never made a decision to follow Christ. And you've been sitting on the edge of the church for too long, half in and half out. And the Lord is giving you an invitation to make him the Lord of your life. The Lord is saying, turn away from your sins. Turn away from your old habits. Turn away of your old way of doing things. And you're saying, but I don't know how. And the first step is to come to the altar. We want to pray for you. We want to pray with you. We want you to know that God sees you and he cares about you. That the Lord is able to, re to forgive you of your sins and to give you a new life. Would you come down to the altar if you know that Jesus is reaching out to you? Come to the altar if you have never made him the Lord of your life. I'm just going to wait just for about 15 seconds longer.
to give you an opportunity. Hallelujah. Welcome, my brother. Is there another? Is there another? Come on down. Come on down. Come on down to the front. Welcome. The Lord promised me souls would be saved today. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Is there another? Come on down to the front. Come on down to the front. The Lord promised me salvation today. He told me that the lame would walk again. Come on down to the front. Hallelujah. The altar is still open if you need to come. But some of you who have been spiritually lame for too long, the Lord wants to activate your gifts. So I'm going to give you two opportunities today. If you want to serve on a team, my email is going to be up there. It's Mark with a C, at bridgechurchnyc.com. And you can email me and you say, I want to serve on a team, I'm not sure which one, and we'll get you plugged in. But then some of you need to take a step to activate your faith. And you need to get baptized again. And you need to get discipled. And you need to learn how to read the Bible and how to pray and how to share your testimony. And we have a class set up for you and it's called Foundations. And if you could put that slide up, you can text FAITH to 55444. And we want to see you baptized and activated in your faith and activated as, as a member of the body of Christ and activated in your serving. I'm just going to pray for you guys real quick. And then Pastor Josh is going to take you to the back and we're going to pray for you. And we're just going to give you some tools to walk along your faith. God, we thank you for these people that you have called, these people that you have chosen, these people that you have created by name before they were even in their mother's womb. You knew them, you saw them, and you planned and predestined this moment for them. God, we welcome them into the body of Christ with open arms. And we declare that you are a loving and merciful Savior and that their sins are forgiven and that there is a new life in Jesus Christ even now that their old ways and their old habits are gone, but that Jesus wants to impact them with a new life, with a new salvation, make them a new creation in Christ Jesus. And so, Lord, I just declare freedom and deliverance over their life, even now that the things, the chains that are holding them hostage, that they would be loosed even now in the name of Jesus, that you would speak to their minds and speak to their hearts and speak to their spirits and let them encounter freedom at a new level because of their relationship in Christ. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Let the church say amen. Come on, celebrate one more time as the worship team comes. Come on, celebrate what the Lord has done. Come on, if you're not going to be spiritually lame anymore, if you are making a decision to get up and walk, can you just celebrate what the Lord is about to do in your life? Hallelujah. Praise God. We hope this message was encouraging to you. We invite you to send us an email at info at bridgechurchnyc.com so we can hear how God used this message to speak to you. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Our handle on all our social media platforms is at bridgechurchnyc. Our website is bridgechurchnyc.com. If you're in the New York City area, we would love to see you on a Sunday. 
Our services are at 10.30 a.m. and noon on Sundays at 345 Adams Street in downtown Brooklyn. Thanks for listening to our podcast today, and we hope to see you soon.